What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and letting you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, must the motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a plenty play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Million Dollar Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Melissino, with my co-host, D. Hey everybody! And today we got another uh, super dope, dope, powerful episode. I reached, I reached uh, to her, our guest through Twitter, and asked her, "Do she mind coming on the show?" And she, she was with it, so we super, super excited that she's here. And her name is Howell. And you out of, uh, you out of uh, Georgia, right? Hey, so I am originally from New York, but I am based between Atlanta and Birmingham, Alabama. So I go back and forth. The two. Uh, my husband's a software engineer. He's in Birmingham, so we kind of be back and forth between there and Atlanta. And then I'm back up top to New York, and then I'm in Toronto quite a bit as well for uh, business related stuff. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you all over the place. And what's crazy is I see like uh, uh, so I thought you was like from the south, but then when, when when we first got on the call, I'm like, you don't sound like you sound like you're from the East Coast. That's what I'm like. That's interesting, but now you said it. Yeah, I'm I'm one of the Atlanta migrants of opportunity that yeah. left New York because everybody, you know, told us lies about the South. They said that it's scary down here. They just was trying to keep the New York people away. Mm-hmm. And I found out that that wasn't true. <laughs> so um, I, it's hard to leave out of New York, but um, the first time I ever left, I, I left to North Carolina the first time for school, and my brother was also in the Marine Corps, and then I also went to Toronto for school. So once you get out of New York once or twice, it starts to, you know, that's always home, but it, it eases you out of that, like, this is the center of the world mindset that, that you tend to be in. Mm, that's deep. What, um, what part of New York are you from? So I'm from Dykeman, which is Washington Heights. Well, technically, it's, it's Inwood. If I say Washington Heights, people get mad at me, but a lot of people don't really know what Inwood is. Um, it's right above Harlem. Um, okay. I'm also from the Bronx. So, I spent a, a, so Bronx and, and Dykeman is pretty much like joined at the hip. There's a little bridge that crosses right over to Fordham. Anybody that knows, knows to be back and forth um, quite frequently. And uh, it's... The, it's the land of the hustle, 100%. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <It's 100%. laughs> land of the fast talk, land of the hustle, all of that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, that New York accent, crazy. Yeah, too. I'm like, she sounds, you sound just like my friend from New York, like, exactly like Yeah, yeah that, New, that New York accent, crazy. But uh, are you You pretty much answered the first question I was going to ask, like, giving, giving the listeners a background or whatever. But another question I want to ask, because you talk about, like, on your timeline, you talk about entrepreneurship a lot. So another question I always like asking our guests is, so what was the start to all that? You know, certain contracts where I've seen, you know, value in working with companies, um, predominantly in the public sector. I did a lot of grassroots organizing. I was director of youth programming for the Malcolm X Center, which is formerly the Audubon Ballroom. 
uh, Dr. Betty Shabazz had taken it over before she passed, mm-hmm. and we were doing a lot of economic-based programming out of there. Uh, most of the times that I've, I have worked with um, or for any type of company, it's usually been based in the public sector, but I've always had my own business as my primary source of income uh, since I was a kid. My father is an immigrant, Sudanese Egyptian, so you know, being African, coming here, that was always kind of the mindset that I was raised with is this understanding of uh, needing to have your own autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they champion higher education most definitely, but in championing higher edu- higher education, it's always been something that you recognize that you are only in control of your own destiny when you are in control of your own books. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the Enron situation, and and I and I tell people to to look at cases like that just as a reminder of your security that you think is secure is not always secure. Those people lost, you know, years of 401k pension, all of that time that they put in with, with this huge corporation for something like that to go under and to lose all of that is a reminder of what happens when you put your entire destiny into the hands of a company that is run by somebody else. So a lot of that comes from my father's involvement with Nation of Islam. My brother mm. as well having that mentality as far as economic development and advancement within the black community, entrepreneurship is very critical. It is also very important for us to, to do it the right way, though. Also, I think that social media changed things. Uh, having my business prior to social media and having been in the entrepreneur space before kind of the Internet blew up the way that it has in the last maybe five years. It definitely gives you a, a different perspective on what is tangible and what is not. So I think that there's a lot of information that's out there, but what a lot of people, it doesn't matter, young young or old, I, I really want them to understand is that you need to leverage different opportunities for yourself, whether that comes in the form of working for somebody else or learning under somebody else by working for them or learning by doing, not being afraid to kind of jump into things and try something and, and do your research and take your time. You know, not be afraid to have those conversations about those L's that you take. I think that that dialogue is super critical right now just because there's so much information out there. Whatever I can contribute into this space and, and have more productive uh, dialogue with other entrepreneurs and people who are interested in getting into that space is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about continuing to do. Wow, yeah, that's 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 super dope. And even uh, when you mentioned how your father was a part of the NOI or whatever, and I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> like that's that's dope. Like it's it's crazy though when we bring people on the show and they say things like give us like interesting things about themselves. I was like, damn, for real, that's dope, man. And I know the NOI they really preach. Uh, so like like really preach doing for self. So and with your father being or, or was, I don't know if he still is a part of the organization. How important was that that uh, philosophy is to you? I think the thing with my father is that he took um, different pieces of different things when he came here that really kind of shaped his mentality based off of you know his own understanding. A lot of a lot of solidarity that he had with African Americans came from 
what a lot of people don't know is dealing with Egypt and Sudan with the colonial racism that comes from a lot of uh, the Arab states and things that have kind of happened in the region. So when you are black African within those regions and, and from certain tribes, you know, there's certain experiences that I think aligned um, for him with the American experience. And whether you're going from the continent to here in America, understanding the role that economics plays was super critical. So I think that that was an ideology with NOI that he just really connected to. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how it coincided with his particular religious beliefs, I think that we were taught tangible action. So it, we were taught to to really learn and and dig deep and research and look into the different things that are going to shape our uh, identity, that's going to shape our commitment to community. And then, of course, my, for me, you know, my mother's white. So having the, the experience of that biracial identity as well and how moving and shifting between different communities and different experiences, recognizing where you're going to put your resources is very important because I think that sometimes we forget that you know, we get caught up in these groups and categories in, in the United States where, and especially as, as black people, where we don't necessarily think about, you know, the community that we're connected to because we're connecting it to the identity, right? Mm-hmm. You have to think about what is the community that you're trying to connect to? What do you want to do with your wealth? What is the, the purpose behind why you're trying to build wealth, whether it's um, for your own name for your children's name whether it's for community empowerment i think it's really important for you to to recognize the community that that you function in and that you want to advance because in order to to get anywhere in entrepreneurship your network is critical so it's not just about what people can do for you or it's not just about what their skill set is or how much money they've made or it's about what is their long-term projections what are they trying to accomplish at what point are they you know shifting into community building or family or what are their priorities what do they want to do with their money because when you start to connect with certain people that have certain types of mentality it's just easier to work together. It's easier to build partnerships. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important for us to vet each other um, in a way that's respectful, but it's really important for us to to get to know the people that that are in our network and and try to connect with those that have a a similar community outlook. Mm, That's that's, that's powerful for real. You like going to say something. No, I just want to, um, going back to something you said, like in the very beginning of the call, you said having a job isn't, to that effect, but you said having a job isn't the most secure route to take. And I personally feel like, you know, I'd rather bet on myself than depend on somebody else to give me, to, you know, pretty much put food on the table, be my main source of income. But I understand that entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. But I feel like, you know, if you're not going to take that route um, and you're going to have a job, then you should build passive streams of income so that if you do lose that job, you have something to rely on. What are your thoughts on that? Are you like pro entrepreneurship 100% or like do you feel like, you know, you can have a job but having passive streams of income to rely on is um, important to have too? So I'm pro know yourself, right? Mm -hmm. On everything, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, whether it's career, 
uh, your academia. I'm, I'm pro know yourself, right? Mm-hmm. We have to, to really do the work to uncover where our strengths and our weaknesses lay, right? I personally believe that entrepreneurship is powerful for those who have the personality, the drive, the ability to do so. I always champion it to people that have the desire to learn to become that person or who already are that person. Now, other individuals are needed within this economic ecosystem Mm -hmm. that are not entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. This is a necessity. This is something that we understand. However, at the same time, you want to be able to give those individuals their own pathway to freedom to where they are not uh, reliant upon these, you know, job or career paths where somebody else is signing their check. So that's where passive income becomes very important. That's where understanding the different ways that you can earn money or earn income or even invest in other entrepreneurs or be able to look into real estate or look into the options that real estate offers. So real estate, agriculture, and anything having to do with the law are for me three things that you can pick up skills in that will always be needed right Mm -hmm. these are things that are never going to go away and there are things that you can get certifications for if you didn't go the traditional college route those are three avenues in which you can look into certifications that will help to advance you in different ways of passive income Agriculture is something that I think that we overlook. Being in the cannabis space myself, and I'm not in the agricultural space, but I am a landowner, and I and I do come from a farm background as far as you know my father's tribe and then community wise farming and agriculture has always been a, a major component to our identity. But it's something that I think gets overlooked a lot. A lot of people talk about, you know, home ownership and real estate, which is great. But the necessity of food production, the necessity of agriculture for other purposes, mm. there's so many things that hemp can can produce, whether it's rope, whether it's um, in our in our bath and body products for health purposes and health reasons. Agriculture is something that is is a very strong passive source of income that I wish more people would look into. Because you can really invest in a lot of things within that sector that will build over time and it be something that you're providing for not just your children but for your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, and I think that's a that's a sector that a lot of people don't even really uh, think about in today's times. You know, right now everybody like it's like you said, nothing's wrong with real estate, but right now everybody's like flooding that. It's real popular to get into that or just tagging yourself as an entrepreneur or, you know, selling hair or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So that's even dope. That's something that's that you mentioned that because it gives a different, a different thing that people could look into. You feel me? So, but you're figuring out if your skill sets even match the career path you're trying to take, because mm-hmm. if it doesn't, you're going to realize quickly, especially if you're not passionate about it, you're going to realize quickly, you know, that it's not going to work long term. You're just going to be unhappy doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you- I, I believe that you can learn anything, 
you can learn anything that you want to learn, but you also need to, once again, like I said, you need to know yourself and you need to know your capacity for learning. Is it something that's going to take you 30 days? Is it something that's going to take you a year? Is it something that's going to take you five years? If you are really passionate about learning something, you need to know yourself and, and put yourself on a program and some type of a system to get you there. You know, we're constantly as human beings learning, growing, evolving. And when we go through these, these cycles of, of discomfort, are you going to fold? And mm. I think that for people that are talking about entering the entrepreneur space or want to be in the entrepreneur space, a lot of times it's because they want to be able to say that they're a boss right. without understanding the responsibility that being a boss entails. And and I always kind of liken this to, to this whole concept of like polyamory, for example, right? <laughs> you got a brother that, you know, he want to deal with five, six, seven girls, right. but do you understand the responsibility that goes into having to maintain that many relationships? Right, right. Like, it sounds fun. It mm. sounds like, oh, you know, you got shorty here, you got shorty. That sounds great. But then you're dealing with all of this emotion. What about financial support? What about children? What about this? All these responsibilities that go into that. So it may sound good, but when you really get into it and you really look at all of the responsibilities that you take on, the more mm-hmm. freedom that you are seeking for yourself, you will quickly realize that you need to operate within your own capacity and you need to be honest with yourself about what you can take on. Mm, that's deep. And I'm glad... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because, like, uh, that's a topic that I talk about sometimes. And it's it's kind of, I've been wanting to talk about it on the show. We never got a chance to talk about that because, you know, a lot of times when people talk about that lifestyle, polyamorous, they think, they just think it from, you know, dudes, they just think it from, a, uh, 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 they just think about, excuse my language, if his kids are on in their own or anything, but they think it from a, just a having sex and fucking all day mindset. Like, oh, I got. X amount of girls, I'm gonna do this and all that. But from my understanding, from my research of it, is it ain't really got nothing to do with it. that's. I mean, that could be a part of it, but they ain't really got nothing to do with that. It's about creating really like a family dynasty type shit, bringing minds together and collectively and further thinking. I just wanted to say that real. Quick. I, just, I, I just wanted to say that real quick because I be having conversations with dudes about that a lot, and they always be like, you know what I'm saying? On some man, I'm a, you know. Man, I had sex uh, X amount. Oh, I'm like, yo, they ain't even about that. You seen it from that mentality because it's so much deeper than that. If you're just thinking about that, the shit ain't going to work. But another uh, question I wanted to ask you was, how did you get involved with, with uh, cannabis and tech? Because I know you collide and bring both of those uh, fields together. How did that start? I apologize. You, it kind of went out a little bit. Can you repeat the question to me? I said, uh, I know you into the cannabis industry and to the uh, tech industry. I just want to know how did that, like, how did you collide and bring those two things together? How did that start? Right. Okay. So my entire career has been a sequence of interesting and sometimes unfortunate events <laughs> that led me That's how I go. to develop new skills that I ended up just being really good at. And so the first time, and I got married very young. My, my first marriage, I was about 21 when I got married. So mm. my daughters now are 11 and 13. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm remarried, but my first marriage was kind of the biggest crash course in what it meant to, to be a woman within 
I guess this whole economic ecosystem that is capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. And how we look at how we function within this. And and it's interesting because, like, we're talking, this is 2005, right? So this is pre-everybody's watching what you're doing on Instagram. This is before all of that. This is, we were still, I think, coming off of, like, Black Planet. And, like, yeah, it was like that. It was still on that. Like, it still was. I think we still had shirt phones back then, if oh, I'm correct. Next to but, like, it was a very different, so it was a very different um, way of looking at relationships and then also looking at business and finance and, and what you're doing. So my thing was I, I was afforded the luxury because my ex-husband, because my ex-husband was military. Uh, we had all of our basic needs were provided for us, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, it was a perfect example of how your human capital is actually valued way more than what they're paying you. Because what he put in and gave and sacrificed and, and being in the Marine Corps, what that did and what that triggered uh, was just constant stress, anxiety, PTSD from being overseas, you know, family strain, all of these things. And on top of that, we were so bad in debt. When I tell you the crippling level of debt that that we had, I was self-employed, you know, fresh coming out of New York and, and being used to, you know, getting it my way however I wanted. And then like my family the same way, like I was used to that. But there was a lot of pressure to get married because that's what you're supposed to do. You get to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And for me, it also was something that I was like, well, this will slow me down. And, you know, I got to get my head right. And there were certain goals and things that I wanted to accomplish. When I got married, what I didn't realize was that the worst thing that you can do is enter into a marriage without financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Like, beyond anything else like there's a million reasons why you know people talk about what you need to know before you get married but i think that the number one thing is financial literacy because we ended up getting into so much debt because with him being military they didn't care about debt to income ratio they didn't care about there was so much going on at that time and remember this is pre-2008 right so we were getting, you know, furniture on, you know, we were leasing furniture. We were, you know, the cars were all on payments, credit cards, everything. Like, we were so paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I ever did uh, professionally once I was married was real estate. And so as a realtor in North Carolina at the time, I was like the first Spanish-speaking realtor that was actually in that area at the time, which was crazy. And things were consistent up until 2008, but it was just trying to dig yourself out of that, right? And just dig, and then, you know, my first daughter was born in 2005, ended 2005, and then my second daughter was born in 2008. So the, the weight and the pressure of financial responsibility thinking that we have this security because we have the military, you know, me kind of having the luxury of time and, and as long as my house is taken care of and, and kids are good, I'm, I'm straight. It allowed me to explore a little bit more than most people 
because I did have kind of that, that safety net. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening very quickly was my income started to become the predominant income. I was making way more. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I had way less challenges to overcome because I wasn't limited to time. Right. It was my own, how, how hard I could work would determine how much I would need. Whereas he could work 90 hours a week and he's still bringing home the same thing, mm-hmm. right? That was the, that was for me, I think, the, the pivotal moment where I realized why entrepreneurship and, and having that economic freedom was preached to me from so young was because of that. That was the, the major thing because I could still go home, be with my daughters, spend the time that I needed to spend and be able to be working and, and looking at a certain amount of income and, and kind of investing and learning and growing and networking and connecting with people. But it was based on my output. I was in control. If I didn't do the work, then I wasn't going to get paid. But if I landed the right deals, then it, it I could easily quadruple what he made in a month, right? Mm-hmm. So fast forward to my divorce, and I, I do definitely credit military, um, financial issues, stress, pressure, lack of a pre like there's so many things that come in because when you're dealing with any kind of problem, financial issues will always trump everything. Right. Because no matter how you feel about everything, if you're not good financially or if you're fighting about money or if one person feels like they're doing more and they're not getting the appreciation or whatever the case is, that's going to breed animosity. So when I finally divorced my ex-husband, I was a single mother in 2009 and I had to to get it together on some, well, what am I going to do? Because the real estate market was not what it used to be. Right? right, and that was when I formed my company that I have now, Queens Inspire Kings, which we've done a rebrand since, but the original name was United Now, and I formed that that company with my partner at the time, and we were building out educational resources, uh, economics education, using entertainment industry to teach business, to, to teach concepts of wealth building and financial literacy. So we were building out those programs. We were selling those programs to the city of New York, working with different organizations. And that's where most of my relationships within the music industry started to develop, which from there was from the public sector work that I was doing. Because most of these young people within our community, they see, you know, the flash in the front. You know, this this person that is either a rapper or a ball player, but they don't know all of the careers and opportunities and businesses and potential possibilities that go on behind the scenes. So that was something that we leveraged that to, to try to bring that level of education and awareness. And we were very successful with that for a while. But once again, let's go back to how politics can, can play a role because I forayed out of real estate because what happened in 2008, there was a market crash, the bank stopped lending, it didn't matter. I could not get my clients a mortgage. It was mm. horrible. I had no choice, right? Mm. So here we are, finally successful. I'm back in New York. Everything is good. The company's doing well. We've got contracts on the table from the city. Things are progressing. 
and Bloomberg cut $80 million from the out-of-school time budget. What that meant was it didn't matter how successful your programs were. It didn't matter how successful the things that you were doing or what was on the table for you. Uh, you didn't have seniority. Your funding was getting pulled. Your contracts were getting pulled. That's just what it was. And so I made the decision to go to Canada to pursue a second degree in economics. Mm. And that was probably one of the best decisions that I ever made. So my daughters and I, we, you know, we packed up, we left New York. Um, I had them both in, in private Islamic school in Canada. And I started really leveraging my relationships in the United States within the entertainment industry in Canada. Canada was a wide open market. This was 2013 when I first got up there. I was at one of the major universities. I was engaging with the student organizations, uh, doing events, doing strategy consulting on the tech side mm. because I was starting to self be self-taught and understanding the technology. That was something that was always an interest for me. I was always on a computer. I enjoy computers, enjoy doing graphics, enjoy doing anything, you know, building websites, learning how to do that. But for me, I was always a big, I guess, economics nerd across the board. So my fascination with the music industry and the direction it was going within the technology became my niche. And in addition to that, we started to do more brand build out as the whole influencer craze started to pick up, as we started to, to see these trends of uh, celebrities becoming more accessible meant that celebrities could now commoditize that social currency. So how that changed the landscape with events, how it changed the landscape with personal products, with your online presence, it, it's just super rapid. And that industry changed based on the tech. Music, entertainment changed based on the tech. So there was always the opportunity for us that were behind the scenes uh, from an entrepreneurial space. You know, and I work with Rock Nation, I work with OVO, I work with some of the some of the majors and some of the small up and coming artists or different subsidiaries that were that were doing different things. But it was always just boring, tedious, you know, tech work or event logistics or uh, a lot of stuff during Caravana. But there was always work because I was able to, all right, well, there's an opportunity here. Like, I'm gonna pick up these crumbs over here. I'm gonna pick up these crumbs over there. And eventually, you build out your business that way because you build your name, you build your reputation, mm. and you get to a place where now you can start offering other people opportunity because I have this huge project. I can't do this because I'm limited to X amount of time. So now I have to staff it out. So it was constantly learning as I'm doing. Tech was constantly learning as it's coming out. The industries constantly learning as they're changing. We finally hit a wall, in my opinion, with the music industry. I don't think we're there yet, but I think that we're close. And as I started to, to feel that shift, I had to ask myself, do I want to continue within this particular sector that is so cut out, so oversaturated, or do I want to make a shift? And that was when I made the decision to make the shift into the cannabis industry. Mm. And when we built out Cannabis in Color, which is the tech platform, it, it is really a replica of everything we did with Queens Inspire King. 
it was about community building it was about job creation connecting people creating a subscription-based product that is also a community and for information and for the sharing of information so I know this has been super long-winded so I appreciate no, anybody that's interesting but my uh, my journey has always been about evolution it's always been about you know this isn't working or I see that this is not going to work or I took an L here and I predict that I'm going to take another L if I continue on this path so I need to learn a new skill or Mm. I need to enter into a different sector right I think that sometimes people are very hesitant to do that because they don't want to admit that they failed because they feel like that means that you failed something Mm. that if you switch from one thing to another then that means that you weren't good at it that's not always the case that can be the case Mm. right there's there's a lot of people out here that that, yeah I mean you might have been trash and you probably need to do something else but that's okay too (laughs) right right? and I think that there's this hang up that we have because we're so fixated on what other people are going to say about us the question is do you do good work and when you do bad work are you accountable for the bad work that you did and are you willing to retrace your steps or you know have a conversation or face the people that you maybe didn't do right by or maybe you messed something up. We have to get to a place where we're comfortable to do that because we're not in a society anymore where it's this, you can be in a job for 40 years, retire, and everything is great. Like, that's not our reality. That's not the reality of this generation. If you are not able to be resilient, if you are not able to evolve, if you are not able to see opportunity, if you are not able to seize multiple income streams just in case another one falls off, then you will get consumed because thousands of resumes are being looked at every day. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands are being sent out. The job market as it exists right now, it is a broken system. Until you get in front of people and connect with them, you are not going to be able to find opportunity and you're not going to be able to find it overlap. And unless you are willing to take those risks and unless you are willing to step out of your comfort zone and learn something new and really commit to it, you're you're not going to be able to, to, to hit that that personal success level that you set for yourself mm. because it's going to pass you by very quickly. For real, that's real. That's, that's super real, for real. And something else I want to ask is uh you have this this tweet pinned on your page and I'm like man I, I gotta ask her this you say entrepreneurs need more tech friends and I a thousand percent agree with that like I, I love having that conversation with people because it's it's a perfect collab in my eyes mm-hmm. for an entrepreneur to hook up with a, with a tech person and you know what I'm saying and do business together it, it makes perfect sense and that's something that I even done just recently it makes perfect sense to me but I want to hear from from your angle like how do you feel about that. So that tweet went crazy. Um, it, it it blew up. Like it it was kind of I wasn't really, but that and I and and let me let y'all in on a secret too. Like I just came back to Twitter because I was on my I, I was on my Instagram stuff for a while because I was feeling so much in the entertainment space. And when you were in the entertainment space, like Instagram was like that. That was the platform, mm-hmm. right? But I, I was so burnt out, and I think that that was the other thing about being burnt out within the music industry as well was just, like, this vanity and superficial nature of things. And so I, I came back to 
Twitter just recently. It's probably only been a few months because I was excited about actually being engaged, like mentally and, and being able to connect with people and build on ideas. But also, you know, I tell people all the time, my, my brand is very righteous ratchet. Like you're going to see a full spectrum. So that tweet, when it went crazy, I was actually kind of surprised because I wasn't expecting everybody to see the value in that. Now, mm. it, it's it's an interesting space because tech is so very new, yeah. and it being cool is very new. Yep. I was the only female in my computer science elective classes. And then when I'm telling them that, like, oh, this isn't my major, like, I'm an econ major, but I just wanted to come in because I wanted to, like, learn Python, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy because it wasn't like a cool thing like that wasn't something that you did like tech was not cool this whole new wave of like yeah i want more nerd friends or oh yeah like i want i want to get into the tech industry and like it it's interesting to me because it wasn't always like that and and if anything you know from a hustler perspective like if i try to put my guys on to some some technology stuff like they was looking at me like are you well you gonna you gonna bring me my money back or or because that's really all i care about <laughs> like, <laughs> so it, it's not um it's not a a, a very long-standing thing especially within i guess the 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 generation that i come from to see entrepreneurs and, and people in the technology sector connecting i think that's for this this generation now um, that are, you know, maybe from 18 to 29, uh, they see the value in it because they've been, you know, raised and immersed with, within the technology. And I think as e-commerce has started to emerge, as people do more things online, they shop online more, they do purchasing from their phone. They, mm-hmm. all, as all of these things get more popular, I think that people are starting to ask, well, I mean, somebody had to build this. Right. So where's my opportunity in this? And I've seen so many people in the technology industry, I because I know, like, I, I built my first website because I was in business with one of my exes. We had built um, this website out with, like, a host- travel hospitality site, right? We came up with the idea, we wanted it, and we were like, yo, this, you know, this, this is legit. We, we're gonna make some bread over there because we was already doing stuff during Caravana. So we hired somebody to do it because, Obviously, that's what you do when you don't know. You just have an idea. So in the process of paying this white dude like 10 bands to build this website that now I know cost him maybe a rack, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe he did another like $500 in billable hours, maybe, just because I know what he built it on now. I know what went into it because I, I was. I was attached to his hip because I was trying to learn, all right, because if you're going to pass the site off to me, then I got to create and then I got to sew. And and that was the first time that I ever, like, really was like, wow, like, okay, there's a lane for this. There's an opportunity. Because what I didn't mention is when I was doing real estate, I learned how to do graphics and use Photoshop for mm. the same purpose because I didn't want to pay nobody to do my mm. marketing material. Right. That's, that's usually been why I pick up new skills is, like, if I'm good at it, then I'm going to do it. If I'm not good at it, then I'll pay somebody to do it. But I'm going to try it, and I'm going to see if I'm good at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, and if I'm good at it, then I'll continue, and, and, you know, maybe this is something I can build from. So 
I had no knowledge of, of the benefits of technology up until that experience. And that was the first experience I had with e-commerce, with the potential of e-commerce. The business, I won't say that it failed because we did sell the company to a competitor. So, mm. you know, we, we did all right. We didn't really make no money off of it like that, but, you know, we didn't really lose nothing either. Um, and the, the knowledge that I gained from that experience was major. It was, it was very, very important. And that was what kind of triggered me to learn more about WordPress and, and design and integrating design and e-commerce especially. And so much of what I've learned, no lie, has been YouTube. especially for technology especially for entrepreneurship especially for e-commerce YouTube now there's a lot of misinformation out there but for something like tech YouTube is incredible because they walk you through it and there's some great content creators that are doing amazing things that you know I appreciate them because that's super important is being able to, you know, give back and show opportunity and, and I really respect people that do that once they've learned the skill. But if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have that same affinity to want to learn technology or want to learn, or maybe you don't have the time, because that's the other thing too. I always tell people to treat their time like their bank account. If you know that you only got five hundred dollars for the week, then you're not gonna overspend, right? Sure. You're not gonna and you're not gonna blow it all early in the week. You need to stretch maximize as much as possible you should be breaking down your hours in the day the same way that you break down a budget for your bank account see what makes sense because opportunity cost is a, mm. is a real thing real. sometimes it is way more valuable to pay somebody to do something for you than it is for you to do it yourself it it really comes back to once again you have to know yourself know your abilities and know your breadth of, of understanding but entrepreneurs, please value your tech friends because that's something that I think that's really important. Yes, you can build a website on Wix for 500 bucks mm-hmm. and less than that if you're you know, doing discount packages or whatever, right? right. But it's not going to be the same. It's, it, it won't be of the same quality. And then a lot of those websites that I see, they look garbage and that's the first that's like if you owned a store and you had clothes you own a clothing store you got clothes flying all over the place you know there's dirt on the floor like there's kids running around screaming crying the place is just trash (laughs) like nobody's gonna want to shop there your website is the same thing People need to stop thinking that they can skimp on the things that people see you always always put money into the things that people see always so entrepreneurs respect your tech friends but tech friends please be patient with some of these entrepreneurs because they crazy <laughs> uh, project management project management project management if you are a tech person and you do not have a system for your project management that is something that you need to invest in because there needs to be clear flow of communication i can't tell you how many times that i've had issues because you know i thought that i was clear about deliverables the other person didn't think I was clear about deliverables. So I eventually created a system for myself, for, for my clients, as far as how I do my intake with. And and to be honest with you, I don't build a lot of stuff on my own anymore. I have a team now. That project management system came uh, very much in handy. Mm-hmm. I outsource a lot of projects. I will build stuff on my own if I have some type of passion attached to it. And that goes back to the 
passive income conversation, I like to take on equity projects that I believe in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I will build out websites for certain entrepreneurs if I really believe in what they're doing. I believe in their work ethic. I believe in what their potential is. I have no issue doing a $2,500 retainer and then taking a 5% equity on the back end. That actually works out better for me in the long term if that business does take off the right way, right? right? So you just have to really gauge. With Queens and Fire Kings, we, we always offer three options. We offer a, a retainer plus the equity stake, uh, a full build-out, which is half up front, half at the end, and then there's payment plans that are, are done throughout um, the, the first year okay. and their interest-free payment plans but once you pass that first year then you do um, charge a 10% surcharge but we give you that year to pay it off and the reason that I did that was because I understood you know credit is important for some people I think that it is something that some people do need I think it is important to offer um, but you also need to make sure that you're that you're covered so I always make sure that my expenses are covered on, on the front end with retainers I always make sure that you know, anything that I'm exhausting, I'm not going to be upset if it doesn't work out. Like, if I if I do a partnership with somebody and I decide to take an equity stake, I got to be real with myself. Like, am I going to be mad if this doesn't work? And if if I, I will be mad, then, then I don't do it. Right. So know yourself, know your clients, know how to do creative billing. Also, I think creative accounting. And I, when I'm talking about creative accounting, I'm not talking about doing funny stuff. I'm saying be creative in the way that you create options for people. That's where a lot of these big e-commerce businesses or a lot of these larger corporations have been successful is because they've created different ways, whether it's layaway systems, which is such an old school thing, I think. But, you know, whatever the case is, come up with creative ways that you can build on opportunity for your clients and even possibly for the long term. Mm, that's dope. And you, you go ahead. I live by uh, moving passion and rest in reason. Mm, okay, I like that. That's that's what that's what I live by. That's a Khalil Gibran quote, and from this a poetry book called The Prophet. Um, it, it got really popular. It's got it's got a lot of little gems and stuff in there. As far as like philosophical, poetic, right. it, it, it's a it's a nice little it's a nice little text, and the, and that always stood out to me. It always stood out to me to to move in passion and rest in reason because you don't want to extract emotion from you entirely. And right, right. I get very emotional, you know, and and that's always what my husband said. He's like, listen, I I gotta deal with the emotion. If I want to deal with the passion because it, it's part of it. It comes with it. But at the same time, it's learning about how to apply it appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. I was I was literally every stereotypical box that you could check for a crazy New York shake from uptown. <laughs> like that, it was Uh-oh. it was a thing. I was I was bleaching clothes. I was cutting people. I've been hearing that. Like, a lot. All that, all that. <laughs> I had to do so much self reflection when it came to my relationships because. They do affect your business. They do affect your pocket. Yep. If you are constantly in a state of toxic relationship or toxic emotion, you're not going to be productive. And I still struggle and I battle with that today, but that's what support systems are for. That's what community is for. You need to be able to have that tribe to be able to call people and be like, yo, I'm really tripping right now and I really need help. I don't know what to think. Sometimes you need to vent. 
that community is so critical. That community is so important. But your emotion is what it's going to move you. Period. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for us, we sometimes allow that to consume us. Culturally, it's just part of who we are. But that's also something that. It, it creates all of this beauty. It creates all that. This is why we move and propel the culture forward, right? Yeah. But at the same time, the reason that we are not able to commoditize our own culture to the same capacity that we see, right, is because we are not able to rest in our reason enough to understand what to do with that passion. So if mm-hmm. you are an emotional person and you know yourself to be an emotional person, you got to start directing your energy. When my, when my daughters were young, I used to talk about the Frozen movie, and I used to, you know, you saw, you saw how this little blonde bitch was fucking everything up. <laughs> and, then, and then at the end, she was, like, building castles and shit. <laughs> like, um, that was a thing for me where I was like, you know, this whole thing, this whole movie, you know, when you're, when you're a parent, if you have to deal with these types of, like, you know, cartoon anything you, you got to figure out a way to make it make sense to you right <laughs> so, right 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 so nine times out of ten that's what's going on in our head when we watch these movies with our kids but it, it was a real lesson like there, there's real lessons there sometimes like she wasn't able to channel her her energy and so she was messing everything up when she was able to channel her energy she was able to, to build and create great things so you always got to look at at, at where you're putting that energy and if, and if you've got a lot of passion you're constantly emotional then maybe being in a relationship when you're trying to accomplish certain goals is not the best thing for you mm-hmm. and that may be something that you got to be real with yourself but then at the same time maybe that's what you need right, right? maybe you need somebody to give you that stability mm-hmm. right? right but you have to really be careful that you do not let your emotion become something that you can't channel into the right direction mm, and that's real and that's something that i think really applies to the black community because a lot of us in the black community we grew up in environments where we really not thinking for ourselves we program like we we program how to react to like mostly almost all situations we pretty much program how to react how to feel about it we, we it's like a it's, it's kind of hard to describe that's why I, that's why i always say like you got to figure out yourself first. And like, when I say, like, if you're really young, you probably don't know yourself, especially in the black community, because we programmed to react to some way. A motherfucker step on your shoes where I'm from, motherfucker step on your shoes, you feel like, I got to kill this man. Well, you know, you're not, you, you know, you don't think that because uh, from a natural, from a natural thing, you feel like that's what you see, that's what you hear, you can't let nobody respect you like that. That's what you got to do. And that's pretty much on all, and something minor is that. That's like on all fields. So that's why I'm saying, like, you really, you, it's, it's weird, man. It's, it's, it's like, it's a real deep thing, especially in our community. That's it's all I'm saying. It's, it's a deep, it, it's a yeah. deep, we are deeply culturally conditioned. Mm-hmm. We are deeply culturally conditioned. Um, you know, I didn't have a productive relationship until, you know, probably this one. This is probably like, <laughs> right. uh, for, for me, like, it was like, this was like the last phase of, and not to say that I didn't, like, everyone got progressively better. But as far as how we communicated with one another or as far as, like, the way that I communicated or the way that I communicated emotion or anger or uh, especially dealing with relationships, infidelities, you know, suspicion, paranoia, all these, like, how do we react to it? Like, we're seeing 
on a timeline lately, like a lot of these young sisters that are like doing what, like they committing crimes because they do because with with the chick and kidnapping girls, they they be gun butt and all this wild shit, and it's it's crazy to me because I mean, first of all, I'm from a, a generation where you didn't even talk about your crimes, much less put them on videotape. That's, exactly. a, whole conversation. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. We've for been you for two to days. put your yeah. And, but for you to put your entire being and destiny in the hands of this justice system, because that's what you're doing when you mm-hmm. react like that. Yep. And, and it's over your inability to control the actions of another human being. I mean, it all comes back to how deep-rooted this, this idea of control is, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know... People talk about once you get up out of the matrix and your mind changes. Yep. Yeah, that's that's true. But but there's trauma, there's generational trauma, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that that you're gonna find within yourself that you need to really ask yourself what you want because some people like that shit. Some people live. For a that lot shit. of people do. But but if if that's you know if that's what you what you want to be doing, you have to understand that these things can't coincide you can't be a successful business owner in corporate america dealing with a client you know have maintaining a certain level of respect progressing and pushing yourself forward and then doing these types of activities and these types of behaviors i mean and we see how deep-rooted it is because there's celebrities people with a lot of money that come from our community that they still continue to perpetuate these types of behaviors because it's so deeply indoctrinated this, this reactionary mm-hmm behavior and and in business you have to be able to really understand strategy and you should also be understanding strategy even within your own relationships and that may sound crazy like you know you're not supposed to do that that's so counterintuitive to what we're taught but you have to think strategically that doesn't there's a difference between strategy and manipulation right it's not about manipulating somebody else into doing what you want them to do. It's being strategic about the about the fact that I don't have control over this person's actions, emotions. I can't force them to do things. I can't force them to not do things. I'm not in control of if they hurt me or not. So when I say things strategically, you have to know yourself enough to know what am I going to do if I get in those situations? Hmm. What if I find out that this man is cheating on me? Or what if I find out that this is... Um, you know, somebody that I, I maybe don't care about as much as I thought that I did or, or what you need to know what you're going to do in certain scenarios and situations. Be less likely to put yourself in those situations. But if you've never thought about it, like you've never really like mapped out how you respond, then you're never gonna have anything to 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 remind you of where you're trying to get to, right? So right. you've gotta think about your entire life strategy. It's not just about your relationships how your relationship factors into that can this person get me to where I want to be can this person get me to where I need to be is this person going to challenge me my my best friend who knows me he's in law school in Miami right now and he knows me so like beyond well right beyond 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 and I will never forget I called I was complaining I was like I'm I can't stand this shit. This is fucking irritating me. Like, nah, like, I don't know what he's doing. I'm feeling away. Whatever it was I was going on, right? Mm-hmm. And his whole thing that he said to me, and he broke it down, and he was like, listen, you wanted four, 
you wanted things to add up to four. You wanted this. This is the stability. This is what you wanted. This is this is the challenge that you needed. This is the the person that is at the level of intelligence that can challenge you. This is the the type of brother that you respect. This is all of these things you wanted for, right? Why are you tripping over whether it was one plus three or one plus one plus one plus one or zero plus four? You got a four, <laughs> but now you want to go back and be like, but it didn't. But it's four. But but it didn't add up the way I wanted it to add. No. We will get what we want, and then we will dissect it because it's not the way, the way right. exactly that we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And we will do that with our relationship. We will do that with our career. So you have to know what you want, make a choice, make it right, and move forward. Because the more that you start to pick apart your own happiness, the more you are going to find a reason why you are not happy. Mm, I like that. That's powerful. That's powerful. I like that a lot. And I only got a couple more questions for you. And I like that we going always, <laughs> always say this because every time we bring a guest on here, like we know we come on, they come on here. We talk about business, finance, you know, tech, other things like that. But ninety percent of the time, we get off into this these kind of conversations, which I feel like is equally, if not more, powerful than just the business things because. You can do business all day you want, but if your mind ain't right, if you ain't dealt with past past traumas and just having the right mentality, the, at the end of the day, the business ain't gonna work anyway. So I love having these conversations. Yeah, yeah, I love having these conversations. So uh, another question I had was, I don't think he, I, I, don't, I don't think he went over this yet, but uh, I was gonna say the goal for cannabis in color, like yeah, pretty much the goal. So our goal for Cannabis in Color, um, the the major vision that we had for Cannabis in Color, uh, it it came out of for for myself, and I had I had shared this recently. You know, I have sickle cell symptomatic traits, so okay. I had a very difficult uh, pregnancy with my youngest daughter, mm. and if it wasn't for cannabis and what it was able to do for me, and and that's something that you can. If you're interested in, in that thread, that thread is on Twitter, but okay. it is something that was a very um, transformative situation for me because I, I sincerely believe that cannabis saved my life, it saved my daughter's life. Wow. So I've always had a very strong connection uh, to what I believe cannabis can do, especially coming from, I, I'm very adverse to any type of narcotic pain medicine. Right. And I, I think that a lot of our people have aversions just, just genetically, our genetic makeup is different. I think Western medicine is catered to a different genetic structure sometimes with only pain medicine. So cannabis was, for me, something that was very personal. But what has also been very personal is the criminality side of it as well. My, my uncle um, passed away in September of this year that just passed, and it was a very, it was a very traumatic situation Hmm. and um, he was somebody that was always there looking out for me making sure everything was good but he was part of the cannabis industry as a minority from New York and part of a very large case uh, that they tried to prosecute they they all eventually got off uh, because they didn't they didn't have anything to hold on them but they were part of that case at the same time that you've got these white men on the West Coast making millions of dollars off the cannabis, right? So uh, 
when you see the how disproportionate the cannabis industry is as far as diversity and inclusion and what the statistics are, Marijuana Business Daily, they did a, a report stating that more than 80% of cannabis businesses are owned by white people compared to that of less than 5% black and less than 6% Hispanic. So the fact that we have such a a small market share, right? right? That was very, very, very problematic for me. And it's it's also a moral issue because so many of our communities have been adversely affected by these discriminatory cannabis laws. Um, there's so many fundamental problems that are going to start to arise now that this stream of income is going to be removed from the black market, from communities of color, especially from marginalized communities. If we do not have a stake in this industry, if we do not have a voice, if we do not have access to the information, if we are not able to come together and learn how to invest properly, be licensed, um, transition out of the black market into a legal uh, business, this is quite possibly one of the, the biggest economic opportunities that we will see in our lifetime as yeah. far as what the pot-com boom is. Not since the dot-com boom have we really seen something as powerful as what marijuana and cannabis industry is and what it will become, right? And what I also let people know is that because I don't like to just, you know, make things a, a you know, a, a minority issue and, yeah. you know, we need access and all that. Like, I mean, that, that's true cool but it's also because it's lucrative because we see what happened with fancy beauty we see brands like nubian skin that are are successful because they are catering to the power of the black buying the the black dollar the buying power of the black dollar they recognize that those niche demographics it is the same thing for cannabis and for the cannabis sector in order to get people to purchase your product when it is a, a mind altering or a body altering, any type of substance, any, this is a very personal industry, right? And there's also a lot of hangups within the minority community that we have, obviously, rightfully so, trauma, paranoia, the criminality aspect. I mean, there's still so many places that this was, you're still going to do time. We have people <laughs> that they should be having their charges dropped or their um, their sentences reversed. They they need to do more on the, the policy side and the decriminalization side. But these are all challenges that we're experiencing in the industry. So this is a huge sector. And we broke cannabis and color down to six subsectors of policy, economics, healthcare, technology, agriculture, and justice. Mm-hmm. And we created a platform that would function as any type of cannabis entrepreneurship magazine, but even more than that, and walking people through policy, helping them understand the different states, what's opening up, getting all of the content and information in a way that's engaging, that's catered specifically to people that come from minority communities that are that are uh, of different socioeconomic statuses. It because I I always get frustrated when people assume when I when I speak about visible minorities, I'm speaking about a certain socioeconomic cause. No, I'm speaking about us across the board. We have so much potential power opportunity. Where we are at is so diverse 
across the country. You you never know who you're going to run into. You never know who, who's going to come from your community. You never know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. The cannabis industry is an opportunity for us to leverage those skills, leverage those relationships. But in order to do that, we have to connect to one another. So creating Cannabis in Color wasn't just about creating like the online magazine. It was making an online magazine that's also like LinkedIn. And then that's also like Facebook. So it's a social media platform. It's a subscription platform. But we also have job boards. We also do staffing. We have a really strong partnership and affiliate program for people who want to come on board and, and, and push the platform. We also have incentives for content creators, for individuals who are building out different types of content, our e-commerce marketplace with our uh, virtual products, our digital products. We have an array of, of things that are that are offered within the platform, and it's meant to be a community. And it's, in te- it's an intentional community for the cannabis sector, for visible minorities, to, to really start to get a foothold into the industry. Mm-hmm. And when we do our inaugural conference, which we are planning for Detroit for April 2020, okay. we want that to be one of the first cannabis conferences where you see um, scholarships um, being championed within marginalized communities in different sectors of the industry. That's something that we want to see implemented in agriculture and economics and policy. We, we really want to start giving more opportunities for access because it's not so much that it can't be done. It's just that we don't know how. Yeah, and a lot right. of times we don't know how to transfer skills. So one thing that we do show you how to do is, is say you're a student and you're coming out of school and you don't know how your skill set may apply to the cannabis industry, we will help you, um, counsel you, do revisions for your resume, um, get you in front of the right people, help you to, to really understand what role you could potentially play. And that's the entire form and function of, of what we're doing with Cannabis in Color. It, it's really about building community, digital communities, as well as connecting those digital relationships offline so that people can build more partnerships, we can see more innovation, we can get more representation within the sector, and we can start to leverage these resources to solve some of the problems that we have within our communities. Because the war on drugs was really a war on us, and where we're at now, we've never been here as a country since Prohibition. And if you look at families that came out of Prohibition, they ended up in the presidency, right? Mm-hmm. Not that that may hold as much weight as it would have if I said that five years ago. However, <laughs> um, the the reality is is that wealth is built in many different ways, and how generational wealth is built, it usually is on the heels of some type of great historic mm. economic opportunity mm. that arises at a moment's notice. It sparks innovation, entrepreneurs, connects professionals, and you have to be prepared to embrace it because it may only come once in a lifetime. Some of us have been fortunate to see a couple of things. I missed the whole dot-com boom. I I'm, wasn't really old enough to really understand or, or really get into that lane. But I am old enough now and with the experience that I have to understand the potential in cannabis. And I also 
just have such a personal connection to it that it that it's a a really really important part of what I do, and it's also helped me connect with a lot of different people, real estate professionals, legal professionals, entrepreneurs, um, farmers, people who are really championing you know food production and also cannabis and what it what's going on with cannabis as far as you know pesticides and chemicals, how mm-hmm. regulations with that is going to be shaped. There's so much opportunity in this industry and if we as a community can really start to leverage our resources and and get more access mm. then we will be able to see a lot a lot of that impact 20 30 40 years from now facts, facts. and so why uh why detroit for the conference that's interesting so the reason that i picked detroit was because a at the time that I spent in Canada, we have a lot of our relationships still are in Canada. My partner, she's in the UK. Her and I were both part of Black Student Association together when I was in school in Canada. She worked for Aurora and Tilray at one point, which are two major LPs in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan is also a legalized state for medicinal and recreational as well. Um, I've always had a lot of love for the city of Detroit. Like Me I've, too. I've always, <laughs> always, Always, I mean, you know, and and you know, my father had a lot of friends from out there. There was that we just, you know, there's just an energy that's out there, and and Detroit also represents to me what happens if you are not prepared for the next step of industry, mm-hmm. because Detroit at its peak, Detroit at its height, and and how the at a moment's notice that economic ecosystem could just deteriorate yep. if, if you don't, if you are not prepared, if you are not willing to evolve and to innovate. And I respect greatly what is going on there right now as far as urban renewal, urban planning, um, you know, the cannabis industry itself. I, I think that there's hope there. I think it's a story of hope. I think it represents that. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, it, it's an easily accessible city as far as, for, as, as far as conferences go, it's not overly expensive no. for hotels and flights. Um, I, I feel like it's something that will be affordable for our demographic, especially. And uh, there's just a lot. Uh, there's a lot of resources in, in the region to be able to leverage. A lot of universities. It, people are not, uh, you know, they're not opposed to coming across the border. Um, we definitely are leveraging the Canadian market as well quite a bit, and. I, I just think that Detroit makes sense. And mm. so that that's pretty much the the short answer, but I've, I've definitely got a laundry list as well. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I, I recently just went to Detroit for the first time, uh, like, what was it, like a week ago, two weeks ago? And I, re- I really, I, I fuck with Detroit heavy because we got some other property out there. And, like, seeing seeing how dope it was you know you you hear so many crazy things about detroit and like you know they kind of like discourage you from going there and all that kind of stuff and going there and seeing it uh-huh. firsthand it gave me a totally different perspective mm-hmm. on it i'm like yeah i, I, I fuck with detroit man it's a it's, it's dope and i love that there. photo of y'all that photo that y'all took out there and you know and, and shout out to to christian because yo that's that's the homie yeah. and like y'all like i'm telling you like I wish I could have been there. Like, that was one of those things where I'm like, I'm not really even in a real estate space like this, but, I, like, y'all made me want to go out there. <laughs> but that's, 
that's definitely, um, I think it's inspiring like when you see that. And I think that that's an example of like, you have to recognize the beauty in things that, that are maybe not what you thought was traditionally beautiful or, or see what the opportunities are. And yeah, it, is it maybe more dangerous than other right. cities? I mean, it's in places, yeah, but right. everywhere is more dangerous in certain places. Exactly. Like, I think we got to get out of this. It's all about your energy. It's exactly. about what you put out. It's about how you move and how you carry yourself. I will forever be able to go anywhere that I want to go because I will always move with humility and respect. Exactly. And as long as you move with humility and respect, you will not have no problems anywhere. Anyway. I really consider That's real. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but man, you preaching right now. That's that's real. Because I talk to so many people and they'll be like, damn, you went there? You went there? (laughs) You went... I'm be like, yo... I saw, like, I'm from Chicago, so being in bad areas is something that's not foreign to me. But I know when I go right. to to areas that I'm not familiar with, it's a certain way you got to carry yourself. I don't go to different places that I'm not familiar with with an arrogant, you know what I'm saying, arrogant vibe to myself as I'm better than y'all. I saw it with humility, respect. I know this y'all area, you know what I'm saying? I ain't on no bullshit disrespect. If you do that, you go anywhere. I don't care where it, where it is. If you just show up with, like you said, with some respect, humility, not trying to act like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, this is my city. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Because some people feel territorial about, you know what I'm saying? The block mm-hmm. they own, where they live and stuff like that. So as long as you show up with respect and you know how to talk to people, you will be good, man. So that's, that's why I'm like, man, when you were just saying that, I'm like, that is, that's super real. For people who don't know that. Yeah, you, you gotta, you know, eventually, like, listen, if, if you're looking for trouble, you'll find it. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, but at the at the end of the day, you you gotta go back into yourself and you gotta assess, like, I, I think we have a misconception about the importance of humility. I think that that's something that's lacking from this particular generation, mm-hmm. that, that they don't see the value in it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because they've been conditioned to think that you know you have to be better than or you right. gotta constantly one up, but but that goes back into what we were talking about earlier about what conditions us to do certain things, right? And and having certain you know cultural. My best friend that I mentioned that's in, in law school, he's from Chicago as well, and and we always have some very profound conversations based on those experiences. Yeah, you know, New York, Chicago. Um, and just just his whole concept of what it meant, you know, to get out of that environment, to to be in law school, to see his brother thrive, and to be, you know, and for us to to have these dialogues, and we consistently converse in a way where we keep each other in check about so many things. And I think it's important to have that person outside of your significant other. I always always stress this that relationship that you have with your significant other that should not be your best friend people mm. always talk about oh my significant other is my best friend no mm. that person should be your soulmate that person should be the person you build your life with that person should be somebody that you are constantly in partnership with but what happens to most partnerships if you go into those partnerships as a, as friends or best friends, what do we see happen to business relationships? They deteriorate. deteriorate. Friendships, right? Yep. So 
why do we have this concept that I can be your best friend and I can be your partner if it doesn't really work like that in anywhere else? Now, a lot of people mm. will probably disagree with me, mm. but I hold my marriage and my partnership in such high regard and such high esteem. There's, there is no relationship that can touch that. So because of that, I need to also be grounded in certain friendships and relationships that are outside of my marriage to be able to give me insight to heal that. If I'm constantly looking to him to fix stuff that we need to fix, it's, it's going to continue to cause problems. So I always stress, share your experiences, you know, find somebody that can connect with you and understand you and why you do things and why you move a certain type of way. Mm. And I, I, I don't think that we put enough value in our community and we put enough value in those relationships outside of our significant others as we should. Your significant other should be your number one go-to. You tell them everything, absolutely, when it comes to building about your future. But you don't have to go to them about every single little thing that you've got going on in your life because mm. it will burn y'all out. Right. It, it absolutely will. you got to learn how to function together. you got to learn how to how to move and and traits off certain strengths and weaknesses. I mean, there's an ebb and flow. Like, I don't think your your best friend relationship it, it should even hold a candle to to your significant other and the person that you're going to build the rest of your life with. Your best friend is there to be a friend. Your husband and your wife is supposed to be there to be your husband, be your wife. There are, are roles and responsibilities. There is stress. There is anxiety. There is wealth, financial literacy. This whole concept of millionaire mindset, what y'all are doing is dope. And, and doing it as a couple and, and showing how important it is to build together, you're embodying that. Mm. But think about all the time that y'all spend together. Think about everything that y'all are doing together. Think about all of that. How important is it for you to step away, recharge, right. you know, get things from the community, from your friends, mm -hmm. from the family, and then be able to come back and be stronger. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's real. No, that's 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 real. I feel that. And this this <laughs> this whole episode is been this been we've been having conversations about all kinds of stuff. Tech, uh entrepreneurship, <laughs> cannabis, life, relationship. Oh, <laughs> it's been it's been all it's been I like it though. I, I love like I said, I love conversations like this. Like I love talking about business, money, all that stuff too, but I love talking about personal growth. That's my favorite conversation other than, you know what I'm saying, business and stuff like that. So this is super, super dope to me. And uh, one Just more. remember, they go hand in hand. Yeah. You're not happy if your pockets are empty. And yeah. your pocket's not going to be full if you can't get your mind right. Right. So they both go hand in hand. Like, never separate the same way. If your relationship, like, I tell women all the time, I'm like, look, if you got him stressed out and he go out into the street and you got to do something... Or, or, you know, go to work, he's supposed to fix something, whatever. Like, what happens if what you did is stress him out and, you know, he lost his job over that or whatever? Like, everything goes hand in hand. Mm. So, mm. you got to know yourself and know what you're doing and know the impact and effect that you can have on the people that are around you. No. So, if you really want to get, you, you really want to get to a bag and if you really want to be an entrepreneur and that's, like, the way that you want to get to that bag then you got to have your mind right because this will test you, this will yep. knock you down, it will make you question it, 
it'll be uh, you'll be out here like fuck that I'm driving Uber I don't care no more <laughs> <laughs> it, it will do all of that for you that's gonna give me but a if job. you have a strong support system your mind is good you know you, you really are, are constantly self-evaluating then then you will see success eventually out of your hard work facts and I only, I only have one more question for you and that's I, I like asking all our guests this and it's um like it seems like you really care about about people and and giving back and not just monetary. I ain't talking about money or none of that. But I want to ask how important is that to you? Like giving back to you know what I'm saying where you come from, people people like you giving them game, not just money and stuff like that. Oh, it's everything. Like I, that's everything. We do that all. Like that's that's so important. Like aside from just. Charitable works is a, is a foundational principle of Islam and Zakat and what we give back proportionate mm-hmm. to our wealth. I don't believe that that's just proportionate to the, the wealth that you have right. monetarily. I believe that it's, it's proportionate to the wealth that you have of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. My thing is this. A lot of people are the reason to share game, whatever, you know, everybody's trying to hoard it. They're like, nah, right. I'm going to tell you that. You got you know, to charge for it. Game is sold, not told. That whole kind, like all mm-hmm. of that, right? But for me, you're going to probably become a client of mine once you hear me speak because I'm going to give you gems, but you're not going to know how to execute it the same way. Mm. So, and if you can learn how to execute it, I'm going to help you. If, if, If you don't become a client, that's fine too. Right. I'm committed to the advancement of people and the advancement of community. Now, am I careful about who I give games to? Absolutely. That's an excellent. When people talk about, well, I ain't, you know, putting nobody onto nothing unless they pay for this or pay for that. I mean, you got to know who to charge and who not charge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain people that I know for a fact, certain individuals in my life that were older than me that if they'd had access to different opportunities when I when I speak about my uncle how genius he was and, and what the potential and possibilities that may have been ahead of him had he been given different circumstances the opportunities or access to different mentors it, it would have been very profound and I, I think that a lot of our our best and brightest talent is underestimated mm. so if I can have a conversation that triggers something in somebody or if there's something that I can say I'm gonna I'm I'm going to do that that's what I like about Twitter so much at this juncture I don't really entertain a lot of negativity on my timeline I speak about what is important to me I speak about what I feel and once again I, I throw on a little ratchet with my righteous that's fine <laughs> so you do what you feel like is right for you but you always do with the intention of giving more than you receive. Mm. Gratitude is is such a fundamental concept for happiness and for success. The the level of gratitude that you have, the level of humility that you have, what you show to others, if you're doing the work, then you're light years ahead of somebody that you gotta give game to anyway, so why are you worried about hoarding it? Right. If you if you have to teach somebody something, then they've got to do all this work to implement it. Why are you hoarding this information? And then on top of that, what if you never actually are able to accomplish? You think that you will, right? You think you're going to execute on that. Maybe you weren't able to for whatever reason. Maybe you executed on something else. But you could have given that gem to them 
in that moment and maybe they would execute on it and then maybe that could make a, a better situation for you before you came from. We mm. have to stop with this mentality of, nah, I, you got to figure out your own way. I ain't giving you no blueprint. Right. I, that's, that's so dumb. Like, for that, like, then don't listen to your parents then. Don't, don't ever go to them for no advice. Because, mm. like, no, nah, you got to figure it out yourself. Like, that's, that's not how we function. That's not how we operate. And as a people, whether you are talking about African-Americans, whether you're talking about continental Africans, whether you're talking about Caribbean, each other and able to exchange in, in cultural diversity and the diversity of blackness and the diversity of the black experience, it's extremely important for us to have dialogues and have conversations and to share with one another because the more that we hold back, the less of an opportunity that we have to push through. And I know in New York, um, it, it is scary right now for a lot of people because being able to afford living there and being able to, to keep up with the pressures of that particular environment I worry a lot about people that I care about, mm -hmm. but I know that I can't do nothing for them unless I'm straight, right? straight, right? So as important as game is, at the same time, you got to make sure that you're secure and you got to make sure that you're okay because I'm not where I want to be yet, right? right. I'm going to give you proportionate to what... So whatever game I have proportionate to that, I'm going to give that. Right, mm -hmm. but if I'm not there yet, I can't. I can't spend too much time trying to help other people. But a lot of people will do that because they're not helping themselves. Right. But they feel better. Helping right? somebody else. So always take everything. is applicable. Sometimes it's not. It's not ready yet. Like sometimes somebody will teach you something, but you're not ready to apply it yet. Keep a journal, write down things that you hear. That's hmm. a state of growth is a constant process. And whatever contribution that I can have within somebody's growth process, I'm grateful for that opportunity, period. Because I learned just as much about myself as, as I teach other people. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's super real, man. And like, I, from my perspective on it, it's pretty much to, to, to get anything, to get, you got to give in the first place anyway. Like, I don't know nobody, no affluent person that's did anything, well, besides probably some illegal folks, and you don't want to go the illegal route. I don't know nobody that's did anything on the affluent level where they, they, they got all those things without giving first. Like, you, you have to give, whether it's game, whether it's a product that's effective and helping people. You are, Like, that's just that's just how shit works. You got to give to receive. As cliche as it sounds, that's just how, that's just, like, not trying to, Trying to hoard stuff, I feel like that's been the cap on what you could receive back. Now you've been limited what you could receive back because you limited what you're given. So you got to be like willing to be unlimited with the, the, the things you're given because you know what I'm saying your return is gonna be unlimited. That's just the way I see it. That's a thousand percent correct. <laughs> that's a thousand percent correct. Yeah, that's and and it's funny. Uh, I, somebody made me a secret one time. And I was watching 
I, I, I didn't even really make it all the way through because I got frustrated because I'm like, this is just Islam. I'm like, this is gentrified Islam. I don't know what this is. This is. But I, it, it was one of those things where I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, these are principles of a belief system and different belief systems that, that have held for generations and generations. Regardless of what your religious affiliation or how spiritual you are, any of that, look and see just from a scientific, logical brain perspective, what kind of stuff crosses over? What mm. kind of things do, you know, successful societies or successful ideologies what, that they champion? Gratitude is one of those things. Charity is one of those things. Character, mm-hmm. you know, the, the importance of truth, the importance of, of knowing your truth and knowing yourself, right? If you are not doing self-work, while you are on your path to building wealth, then you may get there. But then when you get there, you're going to have a whole other set of problems. Exactly. So everything's got to, everything's got to go hand in hand. Don't try to skip steps, but in the process, reach back. Right. What you're doing and what y'all are doing, I appreciate so much because it's important to be as young as you are and to have, this type of mentality and this type of outlook, I appreciate it greatly. Right. I wish both of you the most success, and I, I'm pretty sure that we will be back having these conversations. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's a that's that's an easy call. <laughs> that's an easy call. But yeah, just and, and wrapping up, I want to say. Like, we definitely appreciate you for taking out the time and, and spending game to our listeners for this is, I don't know how long this episode been, but you've been spending gems the whole entire episode, literally. So I just want to say I appreciate you and doing all the things that you're doing and just giving back everything you're doing. Like, you definitely got our support with whatever you need. Just feel free to reach out whenever. We definitely appreciate you. No, most definitely so. Anybody that is interested in, in getting into the cannabis sector that mm-hmm. that really wants to kind of understand, you know, feel free. We are uh, launching at the end of the summertime, but we we have our information for our workshops and some of the stuff that is already up on the site at Cannabis in Color and then C O L O U R because we are in Canada and the UK and mm-hmm. you know the states for whatever reason just you know yeah, right, right. <laughs> C O L O U R dot com um, and also my twitter is a conscious thought t-h-o-t <laughs> I, I, it always sounds funnier when i say it out loud than when i read it but <laughs> <laughs> hey what's funny uh, what's funny is when i first followed you like i thought i was reading your name i'm like I was, cause I wouldn't put the two and two together. So I'm, I'm like, am I? I can't. Can I read or something? I'm tripping. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I see what she did there. But yeah, it took me a minute. I'm like, I thought I was, I thought I was tripping. I'm like, wait, this is not making sense. And I'm like, okay, it makes sense. But do you have, do you have uh, Instagram too? I don't use Instagram oh, anymore. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I just you know what it's. It's one of those platforms where it's like you got burned it, up. it was weird. Like it was like having like ten thousand strangers like peeping in my window. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like why? Like my following went crazy, but it felt like it was of no value, right? right? Okay, and okay. and I think that that's maybe something that a lot of women can relate to 
you know, you get counted out based on if if I had a quarter for every time. Oh, oh what are you doing? You bottle service girl. Oh, you a dancer? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that your immediate go to? Like people's <laughs> perception of what you're supposed to look like yep. and what you're supposed to to be doing, where your mindset is supposed to be. So I feel like Instagram can be very um, toxic sometimes mm-hmm. if you're not careful um, because it, it it really shifts your perception mm. in a strange type of way. So it can be a good resource, like I said. Um, you know, most of my business that I do within the music industry still to the day is, is all referral based, it's internal. I don't need social media, you know, to to like they, the people that need to have my resume have it, right? Mm. I don't I don't need social media for that. But if you are trying to break into certain things, you know, it can be a resource. But be careful because it can be a very toxic <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely a double-edged sword. A hammer can either build a house or it can bash your head in. So, you know, just be careful what you do with it. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah, uh, before we let you go, I wanted to say thank you for the thread you had on Twitter about sickle cell trait and cannabis. Because I have sickle cell trait, and when I was told I had it, it was kind of like, oh, you just got the trait. Don't worry about it. Like, nothing can happen to you. And, like, reading your story... And seeing, like, the possibilities that come with it was, like, very eye-opening for me. And I feel like it's something we don't talk about enough in our community, sickle cell and having a trait. And, you know, just the side effects that come with it. So I just want to say, like, for that, that was very powerful for me to read that and for you to put that out there for people. So thank you for that message you put out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I was, I was super emotional. Writing. I don't. I don't know what I woke up on that day. I don't know what it was. Like I, I'm. Thank you because I'm glad because that was the impact that I, I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know that there are all of these these things that can happen with symptomatic trait and and what symptomatic trait can can be triggered by and that there are these risks that mm-hmm. there are these situations and scenarios and and it took. Um, it took a lot of advocacy throughout the course of my life. And then even from being, like, I mean, first of all, you know, you're biracial, like, they don't even test you, at least when I was, you know, mm-hmm. at, at my juncture. Now they test regardless of race, but, um, you know, they would assume, you know, if you're biracial, you're Afro-Latino, like, they're, uh, well, you know, they probably don't have it. But uh, that's not, that's not, a thing you still science is still science and mm-hmm. if we are not constantly forwarding this type of medical research and understanding the things that trigger us i know when i'm being affected by something that's sickle cell related it's various it's a very specific feeling it's very specific symptoms it's a very specific set of circumstances and the nightmare that was that pregnancy was I mean, it's it's very hard to talk about, mm-hmm. but it's something that I I want um, I want people to really understand, and especially young mothers that are are dealing with multiple health conditions. We need to get the research where mm-hmm. like where we're really championing this because we need more options for our community specifically that are, are geared towards our particular genetic makeup, our particular needs, and 
I always tell young people, you know, know if you have traits. It's important, especially if you're getting married or, you know, you want to have kids with somebody. Y'all need to know that. These are things that you need to, to think about. Like, what is the, the potential risks that are involved in that? And, and it isn't something that we like to speak about, but I think it is necessary because the, the disproportionate amount of funding that goes to certain diseases or um, illnesses in certain other communities that do not affect even a fraction of the people that, that sickle cell anemia and sickle cell trait affect is mind-boggling. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of things that cannabis can, can do that, that will help that. But, uh, yeah, anytime that I have an opportunity to to share something, like, I'm, I'm at that stage in my life, too, where I'm like, I mean, I have enough friends. I'm not gonna lose any. Uh, <laughs> if I gain some new ones, cool. So it, it's just about like you know, you live your truth. And right. um, have you ever had any issues or, or complications before? Or so it's never like really affected me. I mean, I really because I didn't know it could until I joined the military, and that's when they were like telling like, oh, these are the possibilities. So if it has, I probably didn't know. Because no one ever, like, really talked to me about it. But as far right. as I know of, like, not really. Well, that's, it's interesting you, you brought up the military because that's exactly where mm-hmm. I think it wasn't until um, that was becoming a, a major issue um, for individuals that had sickle cell trait that were enlisted in the military and they were going through basic training with that level of M- where I spoke about with the hypoxia and mm-hmm. the lack of oxygen and how that affects and how it can change, you know, red blood cells. And that, yeah, it, it's something to, to, to take in consideration. But for women, especially, when your body goes through the changes that it goes through in getting pregnant, giving birth, you know, there's so many things that can change. And, and being aware, knowing yourself mentally and emotionally is important, but it's also important to know yourself physically. Like, if something is wrong and you feel something is wrong and you've got people telling you, no, you know, I'm, I'm the professional, I'm the doctor. Those professionals and those doctors were trying to afford Percocets and Oxycontin down my throat when I was five months pregnant, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and it was not because they thought that it was good for me. It was because they didn't believe that there was another option, right? So... Just because somebody is a professional, right. just like just because somebody is your boss and owns the company that you have a job at, they are still human, mm-hmm. and there's still a fallibility factor that's there. So always advocate for yourself and always be as aware as possible. So I'm I'm glad that I I could could help with that. Yeah, I really appreciate. It. I had to bring it up um, before the episode ended because I'm like, I, it was just like, it was just a powerful message overall. So if you you guys sick of solitary, you just want to know more. That's one thread I would definitely read. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about pinning that one up. I'm, you know, I think the the entrepreneurs need more sex friends. I actually thought about that the other day. I was like, you know what? It's been up there for a little while. <laughs> actually, it, it was it was interesting. It was a real powerful response that I actually did get. I had quite a few DMs that um, anybody that is interested in getting more information as far as like cannabis, um, medicinal, when it comes to sickle cell, and especially for women who are pregnant 
um, that would like more information about that, please feel free to reach out to me. I will definitely point you in the direction of as many resources as possible because there's so much more available than what there was. For me in 2008, it's completely different now, right? (laughs) Like there's so much more available that's actually like really been tested and really, you know, but then also knowing your state, knowing laws, understanding, you know, these are all things that are important as well. So whatever we can do to, to help provide some guidance that please feel free to reach out to us. My partner that's actually in the UK, she's um, that she is of a medical background. She went you know, for pre med, she's um, done masters in aging studies and, you know, she's working through different medical research as it relates to cannabis. So she's very heavy on the medicinal side, mm. and um, I'm I'm really thankful to have her because she's she brings a whole completely different perspective, and and she's 25, 26, right? Mm. So I always like working with young people that are driven, that are also have a level of awareness. Like anybody who's 35 plus, get you some friends that are like 25, 26. <laughs> <laughs> it will improve the quality of your business. Uh, maybe y'all don't hang out all the time you may not have conversations forever and ever but young people need older friends and older friends need younger friends that's a fact mm, I agree I agree 100% I agree. With that. yeah I love, I love I love that and yeah that's pretty much all we have for you like I said we definitely appreciate you coming on you, you <laughs> spent a lot of game we gonna have to chop it up again we gonna definitely be keeping in touch with you we, we gonna do this again sometime Y'all gonna have to try to coordinate uh, and uh, get up to get up to Detroit uh, when I'm up there. Oh yeah, uh, let us let us know. We pull up. Somebody hit me with that. That's one thing we'll do. Somebody say, yeah, we gonna be at so and so. We we'll pull up. So let us know. We there. All right. I'm 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 a hold I'm a hold y'all to that. I'm <laughs> hold us to it. We gonna be there. We gonna be there. Let us know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time. And um, yeah, I'm definitely I'm gonna send y'all over a, a cannabis color deck too, so you, y'all can take a look at cool. um, just kind of everything that we got going on and 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 see what we can maybe connect on. Oh, definitely. Right. Let's do it. Yeah, appreciate Let's do it. it. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, y'all. All thank right. You so much. No problem. Definitely. All right, guys. So that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast with Howard. And that was just a, a super, super dope episode. I'm glad we got we was able to bring her on. But before we go, uh, for those who don't know, you can fi- follow me on Instagram and Snap. I mean, Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. Snap, Xavier Miller 312. And D, she's going to give her information. And you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent or Kent Real Estate. And you can find me on Twitter at Deanna is Kent. And Facebook is Deanna Kent. And if you haven't already, please feel free to subscribe to the Millionaire Mindset's daily tech subscription by texting at that that sign M Mindset to A1010. And that's all we have for y'all. Appreciate y'all for listening. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take a risk because you're too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way. <laughs>